Welcome to the Voyager Podcast, hosted by Chris Fick and Brad Alexander. A podcast about authentic faith in unlikely places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We hope you're encouraged. Welcome back to the Voyager Podcast. My name is Brad Alexander. I'm here with Chris Fick. Glad to be back, Brad. <laughs> we are glad to be back. It has been some months, and we are officially kicking off season two, and that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And we just want to start this off by just saying we still have gotten messages and people kind of just talking about how encouraged they were by episodes in season one. or And season one wasn't all that long. It was 10 episodes, but um, it's had a lot of fruit. And we just want to thank the listeners out there for sharing things, for listening to things, for reaching out. It's an encouragement to us for sure. You know, if you listen to season one, you'll hear us say often, like we had these conversations anyway. And so we just were like, well, it would be cool to do something like this and open up a new vein of like, I don't know, a, a different world that maybe isn't seen as much and how we see God moving in, I don't know, in the circles we value and people and, and situations we really value that maybe aren't valued by everybody else. And we had no idea if anyone was going to care, but there's been a lot of people who have cared. And and so we were super grateful for people who listen and who've like followed along the way. And even those who are like, we can't wait till season two. <laughs> Sorry for the delay, but it's here now. So uh, thank you guys. It's been, it's been cool because it's like when God does it, he just does it. And so we're praying he continues to use it in that way. Even the tagline for the show, authentic faith in unlikely places is almost like, I don't know, it's almost like a play on words. In our world, that's just very normal. Like most of my friends are skaters or surfers from the punk rock scene or different things. Not like those are my only friends, but I think it's a normal part of our reality. So when we say unlikely, it's like, well, there's Christians everywhere in every scene. It's just traditionally, I think people assume there's almost like one kind of like stereotypical mold of what a Christian looks like. And that's not always accurate. And I think that's kind of what this show is about is like, let's talk through people who love skating or love surfing or love music or were a touring musician or whatever else, and also are really down for their faith. And people have really responded to that, which is cool. And I think this season is going to like push that even further because we're talking about some, we'll have some more gritty things on this season, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like you said, I think part of the idea is to remove the stigma of there being a prototypical, this is what a believer looks like, the, you know, as we said before, like the Ned Flanders, you know, (laughs) whatever, like fake it till you make it type thing. But we are looking for transformation. We believe in transformation. That's the, the gospel is a transformative message with transforming power through the power of the Holy Spirit to take dead men and make them live. And so, um, you all you have to be is dead with the willingness to live and God can do that. So there's no one outside of that. That's the message that we're like stoked to talk about. Yeah. The gospel. <laughs> I know, right? Well, that's just like uh an old stereotype that I think this generation and maybe the one before it is broken. People aren't super aware that that's been broken, you know? For sure. Yeah, especially on the outside, especially if you don't feel like you can come in. So yeah. I guess this this show is a good opportunity for people to say, hey, if you feel like you're in an unlikely place, come on in to experience authentic faith. <laughs> yeah. So so let's kind of talk about when season one was ending, I felt like I had heard from a few people in person like, oh, what you guys are stopping the show. And it's like, no, we're ending the season. We're going to do a season two. But I think some people were almost surprised because they're like, oh, it's like a really cool show. And it seems like you guys are just gaining steam. But there was a reason that we decided to cap out season one when we did. And we thought it would be cool to talk through some of that to kind of just share the journey that we've been on and our families and everything. And also kind of give people a little bit of an explanation on why season two is taking a little while to get off the ground. We'll start with, we record this at what was previously Calvary Carlsbad. We're now called Steadfast Church, and we have onboarded 
some staff done some renovations and and been kind of putting time into bringing the church into its next season. Mm-hmm. My wife, who's full of wisdom and she's and beauty, she had mentioned like, I really feel like we need to change the name. It's like a new, it's a new thing. It's a new work. So we were like praying about that. And then we're like, well, what is the name? And it took a couple of years. I'm slow moving because I like, I'm pretty methodical. Brad, you know this. Yeah. But I, I became really convinced too. And then um, multiple people say, hey, have you thought one of you, one of them was you, if you thought about changing the name and it was kind of confirmation. And then when we had gotten the name, Billy, who's another guy on staff here, we had just kind of decided it. And he said, hey, have you guys ever thought about changing the name the next day? And so we're like, matter of fact, I was just going to talk to you about this. And so we told him and, you know, the name Steadfast, it is all over the Bible. It felt like such a fit. We made shirts and we were just like, let's go for it. And so it's been a really, it's been a really fun season. It's been like a, uh, like a new birth in the church in some ways. I mean, it's been around a long time, but it's been really fun to be part of the, the new season here. Everyone who attends the church was given the opportunity to, to grab a shirt. And I think it's cool because you see them around town now people at the coffee shop asking about it. So I don't know. It's, it's been a cool thing, I think. I, I think it helped actually kind of shape the move to the future um, where we felt like we could be who God was calling us to be uniquely. Like every God has different parts of the body and we're going to fill our part of the body. And that is as steadfast church. And so for this season, for, this, for such a time as this, um, we're really excited about it. While that was going on, you were like finishing up your master's too, which, hey, congratulations. It's really cool. You have your master's now, but I thought it would be kind of cool to talk about. You don't strike me as someone who like probably overly enjoyed school, like in high school or whatever. Did you always know that you were going to go back to college or is that something that God just stirred up in you later in life? I did not. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I guess I had always kind of felt like I was bummed I didn't finish any of my stuff, my college stuff. Because you had left a Death Star tour to go back to school. It was That was to go on a missionary trip. I And I then you went back to school. Went to, yes. I started interning at the packing house. And then I also started going to the Bible college. So Calvary Chapel Bible College in Marietta. Okay. I was there on and off for multiple years. And that's where you met Tori, That's where I wife. met Tori, yes. So lots of value there. But I actually never had finished there. Uh, before that, previously I'd played, when I talked about it, I'd played baseball and I was going to a junior college. So I had some junior college, I had some of that. Um, and I was able to get into Western's master's program through undergraduate degree equivalency. They only give out so many a semester. And so you have to write and basically get in. And so I was able to do that. And to go into the master's program, I was overwhelmed. Um, I never cared about school. I just tried to get good enough grades to play sports, but Going into this, I, I really wanted to do well. Mm. And I felt like, you know, am I going to be able to keep up? It's an academic world. It's a, you know, it's a master's degree. And it was full of uh, mostly senior leaders. And so it's like people have been in this world for a really long time. And man, I was just so stretched and so challenged and blessed. I mean, God met me every step of the way. It's completely changed my life. Um, and so I, we walked for our graduation in April, but I actually didn't finish until August. I had one more semester after we had walked cause they only do a graduation a year or whatever. So, um, but the last two semesters were the most work. <laughs> so it Dang. was, it was nice to kind of have the break of the show. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I will say this is what God can do. I did graduate with high honors from the master's That's program. Awesome. So I was like pretty stoked on that. And now that I'm out, I'm just like binge learning all kinds of different things. I'm pretty into church history right now. I've been doing a lot of that and uh, just, you know, reading a lot of C.S. Lewis too. Oh, uh, yeah. That's always cool. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in today's day and age, I feel like everyone is on TikTok, Instagram, trying to discredit the Bible. There's times that some of it, even like the head knowledge of it might go over my head a bit. Not that it stumbles me, but I think um, people knowing 
scripture like to a degree is really helpful because there's a lot of disinformation. So there's people using scriptures out of context or out of different thing that someone like yourself will look at and be like, what they're saying is not accurate at all. They may be sincere, they may not, you know, that could vary person to person, but we're we're in a day and age where I think there's a lot of value to like having a lot of study, especially when you're studying in certain regions or some people get their degree in just Old Testament or just a book out of the Bible or, or different different things, which is really cool. What was your take going through school where where most of the people Christians was was there anyone kind of struggling? Was there any non-Christians that were just in there as like a literary kind of thing? Yeah, well, so I was in a program. It was actually a cohort um, uh, that was literally, I mean, it was like mostly church leaders. So I mean, they were all, everybody was in some form of church leadership. That's really cool. I went to Western Seminary based out of Portland, but our cohort met in Costa Mesa. I mean, they vet you. It's, it's, a, it's, a real, it's a good theologically conservative seminary. Not all seminaries are created equally. And, that makes sense. And not all the professors are the same and they don't have the same motive. Our instructors, professors, they were just so thoughtful and kind and wise. And um, they challenged us on a lot of stuff. But I felt like I'm, I came out of it more sure of what I believe. I don't think a lot changed. I think it just got a lot more depth. You bring up like TikTok or Instagram or something like that. What I've noticed is a lot of those people who speak on things, if they speak on it with like confidence and authority, people just believe it. Yep. And that has to be met with competency of understanding what it really is. Cause it's not, it's not really up for grabs. Let's figure out what it actually means and says, and, and let's live by that. Now there's some things where like more gray that scripture doesn't give you a whole lot of like right. clarity on those things are, are given to wisdom where you go, okay, well, like all these things are permissible. Where does wisdom enter into the picture? A lot of these issues are actually not that complicated. Some of them are, but a lot of them aren't that complicated, but people, they just believe what they hear. And I think the next generation is going to have to rise up in understanding and knowing what they believe. So I think it's really important for, especially the leaders and pastors to not just follow in one, like, you know, just, this is exactly what I was taught. So, but they need to learn to think and to wrestle through and work through all the, all of the arguments. In one of our classes, we would work through different sides on every issue, like all Christians on both sides, like, but like, okay, well, what do you think? Okay. Infant baptism versus, uh, you know, like immersion as an adult or, uh, you know, gifts of the spirit for today or not like cessationalist or continuation. We, we would go through all of those things. And so you're, you're like, really, you're forming your opinion, not on like straw men arguments or stuff that like makes you feel better for the day, but where you actually have a reason for what you believe, which is what scripture tells us. Like the studies show yourself approved, you know, like we're supposed to know why we believe the things we, we believe. And so having that is going to help us minister to the next generation. It doesn't mean you have to go to seminary, but it does mean you have to study. And so for me, I w- already was hungry for like to really know the Lord. Ultimately, that's the thing. It's not just knowledge about him. I wanted to know him more. I wanted to know what I believed more. I wanted depth. And so me going to seminary, there's no other way I could have got it at that level. So it was a big deal for me. Um, now, what I'm trying to do is I want to pass that along to everybody else. So they don't have to go to seminary. But help, let's wrestle through some of this stuff, especially I have kids that are getting older and they are going to have questions. And I don't want them just to be like, this is the answer. Just say it. And if someone disagrees with you, run away. Like, let's wrestle through some of this stuff and let's think for ourselves, you know? I, I think everything you just said applies as much to our faith as any other area of your life, too. I think one thing that most of us agree on is people need to get better at critical thinking as far as like, you can't trust everything that you see. Like you were saying, just because it's spoken in confidence does not mean it's true. Or if they have followers, just because they have a lot of people like patting their back doesn't mean it's true either. It's a double-edged sword. It's really awesome that for the most part, people can get information out without the powers that be having control over everything. You know, some decades back, 
you'd only get information in certain newspapers and and they were approving what's going out. So it's like on one hand, people can put information out there, do journalism, do whatever, which is really cool. But the flip side of that is it's gotten harder to corroborate or uh, make sure that something is factually accurate. So it's like there's good and bad to everything, right? Yeah. And and I think, I mean, so picture this, like you're in the nineties or something, right? And the 90s so far <laughs> but say you're at you're at church and the pastor says some sort of statistic you know or 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 something makes some statement people are just generally going to go oh okay and then yep you enter in like you know mid 2000s especially like say 2010 or something people have iPhones Google back you check you. Google it. Exactly. And so I think a lot of the church has been exposed because it's been like, oh, I've always been told that. And we had a lot of that in seminary. It was like, hey, well, what do you guys think about this? And you'd say it and you go, where is that in the scripture? Oh, and you go, yeah. oh, man, I've been saying that. But why have I been saying it? It's because I've been told it. So I actually think there's a net positive to this in a sense where people are really going to know what they believe, which is the point, right? It's the the whole like lukewarm, like half in, half out yep. thing. That's just not, that's not, clearly that's not where we're supposed to be. Unfortunately, a lot of people are falling off. I think a lot of them that, that, that feel that way, they find that there's, there's not a pot of gold on the other side of the rainbow either. And so <laughs> then they start asking real valid questions. Cause a lot of times initially you go, oh, okay, well, I don't believe in any of this anymore, which means I could do whatever I want. Right. And that's good news for me because I've always felt like I've been kind of, you know, kept down and now I feel like I could do whatever I want. And then they get to do whatever they want and they go and kind of like the prodigal son, they're just like, oh no, I'm broke. I'm beaten. My body's worked. Uh, nothing turned out the way I wanted it to. I wonder if there's anything to go back to. And the cool thing is the good news of the gospel, it, it can handle all of those things. Like the the scriptures can handle, I mean, they've been trying to get rid of it forever. It's valid. The word of God stands. And so um, it's just a matter of like actually knowing it. And I think the, the positive is through all of this, we're going to be forced to know what we believe and why we believe it. And that's a yeah. good thing. No, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that you talk about a lot and I think is really encouraging is just like knowing what you believe and why you believe it. There's so much value to that. And poking holes in things. So like I had um, a couple buddies come out from Denver over the holidays. My friend Tyler and I were having a conversation. I know Tyler listens to the show sometimes. So love you, dude, if Hi, you're Tyler. listening to this. But we were having a conversation and he was asking me about the different denominations of Christianity. And if it's kind of like, well, these people think um, this or that or that. And like, do you guys disagree with each other? And I was explaining, um, we agree on the fundamentals. And I do wish that sometimes we were a little more same team. And I think a lot of churches are going that way in this season. There's usually things that aren't fundamental to the faith that we may see differently. And that's okay. But what has come out more recently, it's been a thing for a long time, but it's it's caught a lot of wind recently is like progressive Christianity. And I was explaining how that is a jumping off point. And I could see how that's confusing to people not in the faith because you have people that are saying they're Christians, but they don't agree on the fundamentals anymore down to the, you know, I've I've heard people that may not even believe Jesus is the only way, which would be like a hard fundamental of the Christian faith is that Jesus is part of the Trinity, that he died on the cross for our sins, rose again, and that salvation comes through the, the sacrifice he offered. That's like a fundamental of the faith. And whether you're Pentecostal or Southern Baptist or a Calvary Chapel or wherever you want to go, we all agree on that, but there's a, a movement that still is holding the Christian name that doesn't agree on that. And I can see how that's gotten more confusing for people. And I think more of that has gone Instagram and TikTok, right? I've seen accounts that I'm not going to throw rocks at anyone, but there are accounts that are a part of that movement that have hundreds of thousands of followers and are saying the church is inherently racist and all these things. And it's like, whoa. But these things are catching a lot of traction and people are, are believing everything, I mean, foreseeably, right? I'm not having conversations like, hey, do you believe everything this guy says? But I'm seeing the like count and I'm seeing the comments and it's like, whoa, 
a lot of people are taking this at face value. And I think what we're talking about, knowing what you believe and why you believe it is really important. Because on this side of eternity, there's always going to be some blind spots. That's a given. But there aren't a lot of gaps for me that I'm just like, oh, that's like a, a shipwreck to my faith. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm on, I'm on a whole tangent here. But I just think it is a day and age where I'm glad that you went to seminary and that people are still doing that and and getting some of the head knowledge because it's not all head knowledge, right? It's application. And I think the application is encouraging people around you too. Well, and being confident in what you believe is, is really important to like know that it holds water. I mean, that makes you go from being like a apologetic Christian. Like that's kind of like the idea of when you hear apologetics, which is like a defense of the faith, it's, it can be mischaracterized as like apologizing for the faith, but like Christianity is Mm. it like, it's like the way to offer up new life. So there's, you don't apologize for like the best gift possible. Knowing though, that it's good is, is the key and understanding some of the pitfalls of like, man, what, what, what are the common struggles we deal with? What are the common things we, we work, have to work through as humans and the things that we like, struggle with and don't understand. A lot of times it's like despair. I mean, people, if you're with people that are going through it, it just, it, sometimes it just feels like it keeps on coming. Like, and, and you're like, God, I can't do it. I can't handle anymore. And then something else comes. And that's where a lot of people are like, what do I do with this? And these are the moments when God meets you the most, like this is where he, he reaches right you the most, but like, it's, it's not a shallow bottom. It's it, there's a depth because he's working in in it all, and it's not like he's trying to like. It's not like God is like making all these bad things happen in your life, but he's showing you that he's faithful even in the like the nastiest, gnarliest. He's still there, even in the pits. He's still there, even in the the worst of it all. He's still there, and you won't be able to see it until you can. Mm, but that's in the important. In, in the mid in the meantime, if you start looking for like a you know, I'm out of here. Like pull the, pull the cord. I'm done. It, it, that's where a lot of people lose it. Cause it's like the same thing that can make your faith grow so much is also the thing that can make you bail. Agreed. So. I have a lot of compassion for people that struggle. And I think every situation is different. People that I know who have left the faith or, or struggled to a point um, where maybe they haven't fully walked away, but they're kind of like on the side of the road. They're not really walking the path. I think you could chop a lot of it up to failed expectations. And that could be expectations on people. Mm -hmm. So I was hurt by this pastor because I expected more of him or this happened, or I was serving at the church and someone treated me poorly, right? We're all human beings. So I I know a lot of people, I've been burned by ministries. It happens, man. I think everybody has been to some extent burned by ministries. That's why our faith is not in a ministry or a church. But- um, it happens and it's a common story. It's like, this person let me down or God let me down because I had expectations of how he was going to show up in a situation. And I know, man, that's a hard one. I have a lot of like, a lot of compassion for that because it's like when you lose like maybe a child or a parent to cancer or something and everyone's praying and then the answer is no and that person's gone, that's going to rock your theology. And it's going to be like, well, why didn't God show up? And again, that goes back to blind spots. We don't see fully. He sees fully, right? And we're under a curse, as as we believe as Christians, since the garden, since sin entered the world and death entered the world and decay, there's stuff that's going to happen. And sometimes God intervenes, sometimes he doesn't. But sometimes we have an expectation of how he's going to intervene. And if he doesn't, people are like, well... If he were real, then he would have operated how I wanted him to operate, and he didn't. That's a hard situation because to some degree, we all have moments like that. I think the biggest issue with that is I don't think we have a place for mourning and grieving. And what's one of the books of the Bible? Lamentations. Right. Like lament. Read the Psalms. It's all over the place. And and this might be have to do with, especially, you know, we're Americans, Right. The American yeah. gospel has become 
bigger, better, greater, your best year. This will be the best year yet. You know, everything has that, that kind of tag. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. It's going to be greater than ever before. And it says who, like, where, where is that coming from? And what, what is our optics? What's our, uh, what, how do we scale success anyway? And anything comes up like that, we go, where is God? Because obviously I'm outside of his will. I'm outside of success. I'm outside of all of these things. And in the meantime, he's sitting there and he's like meeting you in the depths. Read scripture. There is so much language for this. Look at the life of Jesus. He's lamenting. He's burdened. He's hurting. Uh, he's weeping. Well, well, how in the world could the Savior be weeping if God's plan is for everything always to be good, better, best? Like that's all, he's only working on that kind of a trajectory. And so a lot of it is our understanding of what God's doing in this. And it doesn't belittle the fact that it's going through it is, is a taste of hell on its own. But we find out yeah, that absolutely. even in that place, God is there. Yeah. From what I read in the Bible, it, it, God's objective is to do life with us. And that doesn't always mean like how manipulative would God be if you gave your life to Jesus and the rest of your life, nothing bad ever happened to you again. Mm -hmm. There was no sickness. There was no anything. You're always just blessed. Your bank account's always overflowing. How narcissistic and arrogant would you be? How little compassion would you have for the people around you if that were life and then people would only love God because of what they can get out of him, right? Mm -hmm. On the flip, does that mean that if you weren't a Christian, then all you would ever have is like a chaotic life and, and trial after trial? So it's like, to some degree, God does bless us and give us purpose. And some of the blessings we don't recognize because it's like peace in a storm or it's fulfillment, even in a season where you're feeling stretched to new limits, right? But I think God... um desires to do life with us. And when you read through James or even like first Peter, and they're talking about like, Hey, even in the trials, even when things aren't going your way, there's an opportunity to realize that God is sharpening you and allowing things to perfect your faith that it's hard to see in the trial because a lot of times trials are really hard and it's not fun. Like no one jumps ship on their faith when it's a good season. Right. Right. It's, it's it's in a bad season. And if you jump ship in the middle of it, a lot of times it's like it it doesn't bring you the peace that you were hoping it would when you walked. You know what I mean? Totally. If you look back, you go, whoa, that was actually a landmark moment in my life. A lot of it too. I mean, some people, you look at some people's lives and whether they're believers or not, and they've, they've just been dealt a rough hand. And so you might look at someone who has had an easier time. They, you know, maybe grew up with a really stable family. They didn't have to work through a lot of the same stuff other people did. And you look at them and you go, wow, they're really sanctified. Wow. They look really like what you think a Christian would look like. But then you see somebody else who, you know, was like, had forged in fire. I mean, they came through the gnarliest of situations and you see them grow and come out of it. And you can see they still got stuff they're working through for some people who are like, I'm just barely in this thing. Like I just barely, that can be seen as like a landmark of faith by the Lord because of like what you've got. And so that's the thing we don't have to compare ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I think that's point. good for like people, especially if you we're talking to people who probably resonate with the authentic faith in unlikely places. If you're from an unlikely place and you show up at church and everyone seems like they they do have it more together than you, first of all, that's not true. Second of all, God is, he's worried about your story and your life. And he knows all the stuff you've got going on. And he sees faith, even when it's, especially when it's really hard. He sees it. I, I don't know. Hopefully that's encouraging. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good point. We weren't expecting you to go here. No, where, but where I, are we? I was like... <laughs> I know that I'm like tangent guy uh, and you're like commentary on where I tangent, <laughs> but I think these are helpful things to talk about. You know, we all go through seasons and it's not like I'm saying, oh, if you're struggling in your faith, you should just think about this, like quite the opposite. There's times that when I'm in a storm, I'm like, where are you, God? And I'm I'm trying to say some of this as a reminder to even myself, but also to anyone out there that might be in a storm right now. 
or you're like praying for a loved one who's in a storm or whatever it is that if God loved me, why am I going through this or whatever that instead of asking those type of questions, it's, it's almost always more productive to press in and be like, you know what? I don't understand why this is happening, but God, can you help me see like how I can grow in the season or, or what I can take away from this or or just give me peace so that maybe it'll make more sense one day or maybe it won't. But pressing in on your relationship with God is usually more helpful than bailing on the faith and not probably not finding the peace you're looking for, right? Well, I, don't, I don't know how we got here, but if you're in a season like that, because I know there's so much turmoil in the world right now. And and culture and just it is what it is. So I'm I'm guessing that someone who's going to listen to this at some point is in a season. And I just want to say like we get you and and also like you can trust God. And if you, if you can't walk, crawl. Yeah, I heard a really good illustration of wisdom by it was by Tim Keller. He was talking about how wisdom is is like it's like walking. It's like taking steps. You just, it's just it just it's the plotting it's the continual just just you know disciplined no matter what just go like you know it's like trying to walk 30 miles just keep moving keep leaning forward and keep moving wisdom's found in that and he, and he is the reference of like you go to a bookstore and it's three three ways to better leadership three way five ways to better you know relationships seven ways to become your best self or whatever, but that wisdom is actually not built like that at all. Wisdom is built in uh, just constantly staying in that discipline of like, I I know this is the right thing and I'm going to continue to go this right direction no matter what. Uh, he also makes the point that, you know, knowledge is built in the classroom. You can get knowledge and information in the classroom, but wisdom's built in community. So, part of that is being able to be with one another through all of this stuff, which is the first thing that happens usually when you go through something is you try and you isolate, you self-isolate because you go, you know, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want, which is actually the thing you should do. You should bring it up because first of all, you'll find out, dude, everybody's in this together. Everybody's, they, they're, we've, been through seasons like this themselves, you might find some wisdom you weren't looking for and you'll have people lifting you up in prayer, which is a big deal. So if you're feeling you're, like you're in that kind of a position, it's okay to crawl. Like, that's why I love the Psalms. God, what in the world are you doing? Like, I don't understand. It seems like evil is winning. I feel like I'm getting punished for following you and I just do not get it. But I know that you're God. Yeah. That's it. So Brad, you just wrapped up a huge project and you have more coming. So kind of, you should update us on what's been going on with the threshing floor. Yeah. So I just finished a feature length documentary called the threshing floor. And that was really my main focus for the last year and a half. And it's fantastic, by the way. Thanks, man. It's so good. We did a focus group screening here at the church with 14 or 15 people, which was really helpful because I changed the end of the film after that. I actually shaved eight minutes out, did a little repacing, but it got really great feedback. It was more just me watching it. With people in the room. <laughs> with people that I'm like, some of this pacing I want to change. And then uh, I got a lot of good feedback on the end, but a lot of people said it did feel like it ran a little long. And that's when you go back, you start poking holes and you're like, what am I trying to say? Why am I trying to say it? And a lot of times if you're you're not into the craft of filmmaking, something will seem like a, a sequence or a scene, you know, feels out of place and it's because the setup was wrong. So one line could change how something feels, mm -hmm. how you set up a sequence or you move it later, earlier in the film. There's It's like puzzle pieces being moved around. So sometimes if the ending is feeling long, what actually happened is you started using dialogue that sounded like you're putting closure on it because we're not looking at a, a time code like, oh, there's 10 minutes left. The mind starts hearing certain closing statements and you're like, oh, okay, the film's wrapping up. He's tying bows on it. And then if it goes on another 10 minutes, you're like, oh, the ending felt kind of long. It's not that it did. It's just that the closing statement started before they should have. It's like when you're closing in prayer and then you have another 10 minutes. Yep. That's exactly same thing. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, I'll say though, the people that her, like everyone I talked to, cause you know, it was a tight knit group and it, on purpose, we had a small yes. group on purpose and everybody was so moved and, um, man, they were so excited about it. So we're really pumped. Yeah. So we're premiering in April at Las Cruces International Film Festival in New Mexico. Um, the premiere could be earlier. We're waiting on four other festivals right now. I've talked to some of them um, that asked for further info, but we're still waiting on decisions. So it could get bumped up. But the one we know about is in April. We're going to do a showing in Costa Mesa at Moongo Coffee. Uh, the owner of Moongoat's in the film. We had a really cool cast of people in the film because mm -hmm. it primarily, for anyone who um, hasn't been following the journey, so The Threshing Floor, the film is grounded in my friend Tim. It's really his testimony of growing up skateboarding, middle-class family. Everything seemed real peachy. There's more going on, so we get into the root causes, but it's about his descent into heroin addiction and then how basically God restored him. And it wasn't for lack of trying. I mean, he went to rehab several times. He lived in several sober living homes. People tried to intervene. It's like, I think he tried about everything he could to try and solve it himself. And eventually he just hit a breaking point, gave his life to, to the Lord. And, you know, the last 10 years of his life, not only has he been restored, he has a wife, he has two kids, a thriving business. They live in a nice house in South Orange County. That's all well and dandy. You know, I always hate the prosperity. Like, look at how he has a nice house now. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? But the cooler part is that he's been able to help thousands of people because he started working in recovery like right away. And what was unique about his story is that when I got around him and then got around some of his friends and some of them I grew up with, the way they were talking about recovery was different than I'd ever heard because I had always like, you hear the stigmas, once an addict, always an addict, relapse will be a part of your life from now on, blah, 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 blah. And these guys were talking about like healing and recovering, not relapsing and not letting being an addict be a part of your identity, but actually figuring out what were the root causes or the traumas that led you to that escape and starting to figure out how to like heal and forgive and have understanding. And as you process and God heals those things that you would get to a point where you wouldn't run back to the escape anymore. And that's a, a really hopeful approach to it. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I like that. And as I started to talk to people they had worked with, a lot of people have radically different lives now. So it's not just them. You see the outward impact. So we made a film that, I mean, it gets pretty gritty on addiction. There's some overdose stories. So there's some families in there that, you know, we wanted to talk about. It's always great when someone turns their life around. But what what about the people that died in their addiction? Like, what do their families do? So that was an element we wanted to talk about is how a legacy can be carried on. How even when tragedy happens, there's some beautiful stories in the film of families that have carried on their their child's legacy to help other people, but credit it to their faith. Like, mm. I wouldn't have the ability to even do this if God didn't give me the strength to do it. And I think it's it's just been really cool. It's given me a lot of clarity on my past. Um, I've met some like lifelong friends working on it. And I mean, to get funded to work on a film you want to do and be able to have that as your full-time job for a year and a half was like really cool. And that was a bit of a miracle. Like, Absolutely. I get to see that happen. Like, And it was when you decided, oh, I'm going to dedicate this film to the Lord. And Austin was like, bam. I'm sure later in the season, I'll talk more openly about the next film, but it's like, I'm walking into my second film that I basically stumbled into. It's another God thing where it's like, it had nothing to do with me. There's already more fruit coming out of the threshing floor and the threshing floor isn't even publicly out as a film yet. And it's all God. It's been really cool to see because I went through life for so long where it's like, yeah, you're the, the broken, useless toy that no one wants. And it's like, but for whatever reason, God chose to like include me in his family, which he did not have to do. And I really feel like he came after me because I was not looking for him. I did not say kind things about him. And he, he made himself real to me anyway. And to feel like this broken guy, that's like very flawed and like, you know, like has 
issues, but has been on this 15 year journey. And then to see how God used even my injury from skating to make me a filmer, to go through these seasons, to bring me where I'm at has been like, just so cool to be a part of. You know, in 2019, I was sitting in a coffee shop with one of my buddies who's another filmer talking about like, I don't want to do commercials anymore. Like, I, I feel like I just want to do like, I want to do something that glorifies God, but like full time, not as a passion project outside of working at the agency. And there's nothing wrong with having a normal job. But for me, it was like, I felt the void, the itch. And I'm like, God made me a filmer. This is all about him. And I'm not using it for him. And I remember my friend was like, you're overthinking it, you know, like two for the meal, one for the real, I think is the phrase he used where it's like, Hey, sometimes you got to just work, man. Like you're not always going to enjoy it. And I know it was like not ill-intentioned. He was just trying to tell me like, Hey, don't stress yourself out. Don't overthink it. But I'm so glad that I did overthink it because that longing pushed me to go further in that direction. And even when it seemed unlikely, God came through in like the midnight hour. And now I'm like kind of on this ride that it's like, who knows how far the ride's going to go. But it's like, whoa, like God is providing the money for me to make these really gritty faith-based films that are aimed at the secular. I'm not making Christian films that I, I want Christians to pat me on the back and only Christians are going to watch. It's actually pretty opposite is I'm making films that I think just like this show are authentic and glorify God, but they're aimed at anyone who would click play on them. All that to say, I feel really blessed to be a part of it. It's been a journey um, because I went to school with him. I went back to my old continuation school because we filmed there and I ended up doing a career day. And, you know, the next day I got really like beat up mentally because I shared my story with these kids um, five times in a row. I did five back-to-back -back sessions with different kids. It was really healing in a way, but a lot of times when things come up to the surface and I'm a pretty sensitive guy, I'm a feeler, which makes me, I think, a good director and an editor, but I'm a feeler. And I remember the next day I like, pulled out my friend who had overdosed and it hit me really hard. I keep his memorial photo and it has, has a poem in there too. And I remember the next day pulling that out and just breaking down and crying for like most of the day that it was just like, why did I survive? And Andrew didn't. People liked him more. Like he had no enemies in the world. I don't look at myself as being that great of a dude in my younger days. Like I owed people rent money. Like I never had a bad heart, but I was floundering in life. And there's some people around me that got burned by that. And it's like, Andrew was this solid dude, you know, everyone loved him. I have no idea. Like I know enough about addiction now to know there had to have been triggers there, but because we were so young when it happened, I have no idea what they would have been. All of my memories with him were just good. And I remember the next day just breaking down that it was like, it should have been me because I almost died the same way that Andrew did die more than once. And why am I here and, and he's not? And ultimately, so this is like going back to earlier, these are the, the mysteries of life where it's like, God doesn't give us a set answer on why people get spared and some people don't, right? I don't have an answer for that. If someone were to be like, okay, why does this person survive a heroin overdose and this person relapses and dies with a needle in their arm? I don't know. But... For me, it doesn't trip me up as much anymore. I've come to a place where I just have to default. I don't know why I'm here and Andrew isn't, but there's work to be done and I just want to be a part of it. And I want to spare other people from dying the same way that Andrew did and I almost did. And it's like, as long as there's work to be done, like, I just want to be about the work. There's a harvest. I want to be a part of God's harvest and it's a blessing to be a part of it. And the way that I get to be a part of it, my friend uh, Chris told me, he's like, you're like a modern day Luke <laughs> who wrote like recording at all. Yeah. Yeah. The, the book of acts and the gospel of Luke. And it's like, Luke was a physician. He also was an artist. There's like paintings attributed to him, but it's like, he ended up running around and recording what Paul was doing. And earlier in, in acts, obviously he's with Peter and everyone, but he ends up staying with Paul for quite a bit. Yeah. Chris was like, you're like a modern day Luke. Like you're just you're running around documenting what God's kids are doing in different places and telling the stories. And I was like, that's it. Mm -hmm. I'm elevating other people's voices to say like, whoa, God's using you. And it's like super rad. I just want to tell the story. Oh, God's using that person over there. Like, oh, I just want to tell the story. And I think it's been um, a really encouraging couple years. And yeah, 
I have an Instagram, a wise old crow media, just like it sounds wise old crow media. So if you want to follow the journey, um, we're posting about the new film that starts filming pretty shortly here. We're posting screenings on, you know, the threshing floor. So if you live locally, there might be a chance to screen it with us and, you know, do, we'll be doing Q and A's and stuff. I I think if you have a heart for this world, you got to see it. And if you don't, you double got to see it (laughs) because I think it, it gives you a whole lot more like compassion and, um, you know, just desire to see people who are caught in that, the like world of addiction free and see what Jesus can do with those lives. I think it's pretty, really cool. Yeah. And for me, um, just to like close out my thought on it too, through two years of working on that film, I have way more compassion for those people. And I hope other people who watch it will too, that it's like, Drugs are not the problem. They're a symptom of a problem and everyone's going through things. So when you say someone has trauma, sometimes people get triggered or upset by that because it's like, if your son has an addiction, it's like, oh, are you saying I'm a bad parent? No, trauma is subjective person to person. So it, it could be, you know, someone was abused as a child. It could be sexual abuse. It could be rejection from school crowd. It could be any number of things. And addiction happens to good families. It happens to broken families. It happens to all families. It happens to poor families. It happens to rich families. So I think what I took away from it is we've been trying to like separate people from drugs when we need to start helping people process what they've gone through so that they stop running to the drugs as a form of relief or escape, which puts them in a cycle of addiction in the first place. But also because we were made to live in relationship with God, and I truly believe that, as long as you have that void in you, if you're prone to addiction, I feel like it's way, like I'm one of those people where it's like, it's way easier to find relief from depression, et cetera, et cetera, through taking a pill or drinking or or whatever you got to do. But if we can connect people to God, when you accept Jesus, what it does is it it fills that spot that was developed for relationship with God because we're meant to be in communion. And then as God gives you the strength and the renewal of your mind, you learn how to do life differently. You connect them to God, but then people need people to walk life with them. They need fellowship. They need people around them to help them learn how to do life a new way. Well, I think that's just, it. that kind of goes along with even what we were just saying about those who've gone through other like depression and, you know, or the hard seasons of life in general, like that is God meeting you in those deep, deep places. And I think a lot of where we've gotten it wrong with the gospel is, you know, even you go like count it all joy. Okay. Oh, whatever. Like, you know, my trials are being turned to joy, beauty, beauty from ashes, you know, and, and those are beautiful truths, but like, that beauty comes from God working in the depths of that. And how does God work? He, he works through so many different ways. He can, he can work individually with you and him. And that is a primary thing where you actually like are pouring your heart out, not just like what you're projecting to be, but what you really are, where you're really at, uh, through, through the word tells us, it tells us who he is and tells us who we are. And so we can start to like work with like, that is not what I feel like. And and that's an in-depth thing. The Holy Spirit is constantly trying to bring these things up. But then again, it's done in community where people, so it's exactly like you're saying, I don't see it as like God's part of, God is in all of that. I yeah. think that the idea is that he's, he's ministering at like, we're like dealing with what we think is like a skin wound. And it's like, it's in, it's in the bone. Like yeah. it's, it's so much deeper. Like you, it's what you solve on the prop top and it's not actually the solution. And so Christian ideas, God would want to meet us in, in those deep, deep places. And yeah. I think that's, that's where the real, you say holistic healing, like that's deep level health, spiritual health from the core. So this season is going to be a lot of fun. We're back. We're excited about it. Um, We're going to do kind of a different template for season two, though. We're not going to necessarily do a weekly every Wednesday or every Thursday we're posting something. I think we're going to kind of post things as we record them to some degree. Mm -hmm. 
because we've been trying to fill up a whole season. We're just like, let's just do it as it comes. So it's no weird stress that's put on us. That's not like helpful, but like, let's let the show continue to be what it has been, which is organic. Like we want it to be organic where the conversations are organic. The guests are organic, that everything feels like a natural flow of like conversation and, and uh, you know, so it's not, it doesn't become like a full-time job trying to manage something that like the spirit has left the building. (laughs) What we've noticed is it'll just prevent us from starting the weight of doing everything in that. Whereas if we just start releasing episodes uh, and hopefully people will support that and understand that, you know, we have, we have other stuff going on, but we want the show to be an encouragement, a blessing. We're not trying to build a business here where it's like, let's put 20 hours a week into it. You know, it's more like, let's just try and encourage our, our friends and anyone who would listen and each other and have a lot of fun and have people on and tell stories and testimonies and talk through topics kind of like today a little bit and and dive into some things. And as we record things, we'll throw it up and hopefully people will listen and be encouraged by it. I mean, that that makes it more fun and easier for us to do on a consistent basis rather than we got to stack up 10 episodes and then we can start releasing them. It's like, that's a lot of weight, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what's cool about this episode? I think we we went in directions we didn't expect to go. I mean, and we had directions we thought we would go, but we didn't, yeah. which I guess will be saved for a later date. But what I kind of gleaned thinking about our conversations was where we've been, like kind of like what God has been doing in our lives in these you know past months and then how it's better equipped us to have empathy, compassion, and, and like a, a, a path, a path to the Lord, a path out, a path towards healing and wholeness and transformation in him. So I think that's really cool. Um, sometimes the best things are unscheduled and unprompted, you know, cause you're just like, cause we pray, all right, Lord, do what you want to do with this. And yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> so yeah. I'm excited to be back though, man. It's been too long. I'm excited to put out Chris Rice's episode. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this, expect the next episode will be a two-parter with Chris Price. And he dives into motorcycle club culture and how he had gotten um, wrapped up in some things and, and was kind of, he was an enforcer. So, I mean, he had to do things that aren't always pleasant and how God has taken him from that into being a pastor. And it's a really cool story. And he's just a really cool guy, like all around. I I loved our time with him. We were able to grab him while he was in town. So we got to do it in person. And it was like so much fun to spend the day, the three of us and drink coffee and just hang out and laugh. And he's like one of my favorite people in the world. I love Chris Price. Yeah. You got to tune in. If you're listening to this, you got to tune Amanda in. And to... And the kids, they're all rad. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Yeah. Thanks for listening and tune in for the next two two parter and mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll see you in the next one. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Voyager podcast. If you'd like to reach out, you can reach us through Instagram at the Voyager Podcast. We hope this has been encouraging for you. Until next time.